We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From KMOX Sports. The young swings and that's a high fly ball. Millikens win! Millikens win! This is Sports Open Live. It's a grand slam! Touchdown! On America's Sports Voice, yes! KMOX. Back for hour two of the program, Sports Open Line rolling on here on KMOX. My name's Matt Pauley. Of course, you can always listen live by streaming on the Odyssey app, and you can always listen to the archive as well on the Odyssey app. Basically, what we're telling you is get the Odyssey app. I was talking last hour about the Cardinals Conversations podcast feed. That's available on the Odyssey app. You can rewind on the Odyssey app. So, like, if I say something really dumb, and like, did he really just say that? You press the rewind button. Yep, that idiot said that. No, hopefully you're not calling me an idiot. We don't want that. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet at me as well. At Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Coming up this hour, Luke Korak. He's going to join us in about 10 minutes or so. We'll talk blues hockey with him. And then at the bottom of the hour, uh, we'll talk both soccer and Missouri Athletics with our guy, Nate Gatter. He is going to uh, join us here in uh, just a little while. There's some big soccer news, uh, both from a local standpoint with uh, City SC and also from a uh, U.S. men's national team uh, standpoint as uh, someone that a lot of people in St. Louis are pretty familiar with. Brian McBride will not return as GM of the U.S. men's national team, and we'll see whether or not uh, Greg Berhalter is going to be back. But right now, it seems to be trending in the direction that that is not going to end up happening. Let's talk some St. Louis Blues hockey, though. Uh, we talked about last hour. Feels like feels like they're kind of finally doing what they should be doing this year, finding some sustained success uh, in the month of uh, January. They have won six of their last nine since the calendar flipped to 2023. Got a nice win yesterday against Nashville. They're going to get back at tomorrow when they take on the Chicago Blackhawks. Craig Berube spoke with the media earlier today as they went through a uh, full-scale practice, gave an update on the injury situation, which is trending. Talk about things trending in the right direction. The injury situation certainly is. As he gave his injury update, he started by uh, talking about the status of Tory Krug. Yeah, yeah, he's a player tomorrow. Gucci don't know. Uh, we'll see. Like we got, he couldn't go on the ice again today, but you know, we'll see how he is tomorrow. Um, you know, like you never know. But I'm not going to count him out yet. But I'm, I'm not going to count on him yet either. He seems like he's moving a lot better. Yeah, he's moving a lot better. Yeah, it's getting better. So, which is great. Is it, I guess preferable. You'd rather see him on the ice. Just to... yeah, no, for sure. Um, 
I guess he's been off for a little bit, so it's a tough call. Feels like there's at least a chance with Krug. We'll see with some other players. Vladimir Tarasenko will not be back uh, playing tomorrow, but he is really, really close. So um, as this team is kind of playing some good hockey right now, you hope that as the injured players do return, that they are able to add something. Their schedule this past week, it's been a lot of home games. They have not played a road game since January 8th, and they had a little bit of a break in there as well uh, where they played uh, They played the game on Monday and then didn't play again until yesterday. So they went two days between games as opposed to one game, uh, one day between games. So the combination of not traveling and having – a moment, a couple days without a game has really given them the opportunity to get after it in practice. Today was, again, it was, you know, good practice. Keep working on things that we got to improve upon. So, uh, you know, we ended up working on the penalty kill at the end. You haven't had this much, have you? I mean, just strictly practices. How much have you needed this? Well, it's always important. Um, you know, with as much as hockey as we played lately, it's tough to practice a lot. and It's tough to really grind and work on things, you know. If you do practice, it's usually short. Um, and, you know, pregame skates is pregame skates. But uh, we try to throw a couple drills in pregame skates. But overall, I mean, to get the practices we had the last two days, it's difficult. You know, during it throughout the season because the schedule so jammed up. Do you yell less when there's little kids around watching? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really didn't uh, think of that. It I doesn't mean, affect you at all. I was. Was I? Did I yell more yesterday? Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, hey, it's a new day. <laughs> yeah, they were just better today than they were yesterday. Yeah, maybe. What do you do when you hear Baruby and banging on the glass? <laughs> oh, with the kids. Yeah. That's ah, good they're watching. It's fun, you know. They, uh, it's great to have some. I think it's good that, you know, we get some fans in the stands watching practice sometimes. I think it's good. I think, the, you know, the players get a little bit excited too, you know. Yeah, there was a, evidently a group of kids that was uh, at practice today, so that's uh, that's a little bit different. But I think it's good. It's, uh, yeah, the, the, as he said, especially when you're practice, when you're going as hard as they've been going here recently, that changes things up a little bit. So it certainly can be uh, more positive than negative. He made reference to the fact that at the end of practice, they spent some time on the PK. That's one area of this team that is struggling just a bit. And he was asked whether there's a specific thing or whether there's a lot of things that need to get better for the overall PK unit to play better. Well, I don't think it's one thing. I think it's just um, tightening it up a little bit more than anything. I think, um, you know, looking at it, we don't take a lot of penalties, but, you know, the penalties were taken. Like, we get scored on at the end of a PK quite a bit, so it could be uh, from a, not, a missed clear, you know, they keep the puck alive, or could be just a missed assignment. It, it's, a, it's not one thing. It's different things that happen at different times um, and it goes in our net so it's just tightening it up and being a little bit we got to be more detailed for sure and um, with our routes and things like that and we got to be tighter so um, I think we're just too spread out before on the PK but we got to tighten it up more. Understanding what you just said a couple of guys said you changed a little bit on the PK as it changes to make it more tighter is that yes yeah if there's anything that maybe that's come out of this, though, with, with the ups and downs, have you been impressed with your discipline overall, though? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. Like, I don't think you want to be marching to the penalty box. Uh, but, um, you know, listen, I think, you know, we've been a disciplined team here for quite some time, going back to when we won. On the PK, because you're knowing when to be aggressive and when not to be Yeah, that's aggressive. part of it. And, you know, um, just taking away the middle of the ice more. That's a big thing, you know. And that goes to for, for five on five um, defensively too. You know, we, you know, we got to take away the middle of the ice better. Uh, that's the bottom line. You know, you take away the middle of the ice. You know, it makes it more difficult to score. That's where you score goals. We we score goals. We want these plays here. This is where you score goals. So we got to do a better job of taking it away. Craig Berube speaking earlier today after the team uh, went through practice again. Uh, the Blues are going to be back at it coming up tomorrow as they are set to take on the Blackhawks. That's going to be a 7 o'clock puck drop at the Enterprise Center. On Tuesday, they play Buffalo, and then that's going to uh, wrap up this seven-game homestand, which to me has been, for the most part, pretty successful. They split with Calgary. That was one of their losses. They played against uh, Tampa Bay, a Tampa Bay team that at the time was really, really hot. They lost that game 4-2, and outside of that, they've come up with uh, a lot of wins. But just a note, in case you didn't see this, I know it's a couple days old, but uh, Steven Stamkos the other day scored the 500th uh, career goal. He had a hat trick that night, the night that he scored the 500th. His final goal was an empty netter, but... I need to look that up. Like how many times, not many guys have scored 500 goals in the first place, but how often does it happen where it's on a night where you get a hat trick? So that was a, that was a really cool night for them. I felt bad because they were in a back to back. Like you have something, not that you're not going to celebrate, but you got a guy do have a moment like that. You want to get after it a little bit maybe that night, and uh, they were playing the next night, although the next night they did lose to Edmonton, uh, and they lost on the road. Uh, that's even worse. They traveled uh, that night after the 500th goal. But nonetheless, that's a, that was a cool story for uh, Tampa Bay, who I like them this year, uh, but they, in many ways they're kind of like what the Blues were earlier. They'll win a bunch of games in a row, and then all of a sudden – they'll slow down, and then they'll win a bunch of games, and then they'll slow down. But uh, overall, that is, once again, a pretty darn good Tampa Bay Lightning team, and obviously they've been uh, very good for a number of years now. All right, when we return, we'll continue our Blues conversation. Lou Korak covers the team for uh, NHL.com, also contributes to uh, SI.com. He joins us in just a moment, as we'll continue on in just a moment. It's Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Upline rolls on here on a Friday night. Have about uh, 40 minutes left in the program. As always, you can chime in, 314-436-7900. My name is Matt Pauley. Uh, continuing to talk uh, Blues hockey, by the way, Ethan Hannaford a moment ago got the list of players who scored their 500th goal on a night that they uh, that they scored a hat trick. Do you still have that list in front of you? I do. Yes. Let's go through it, shall we? Wayne Gretzky, Mario, Mario Lemieux, Mark Messier, Brett Hull, Yarmir Yager, Matt Sundin. Um, is so, it Jean Beliveau? Is well, so Brett Hull is in that group. That's yes, the most. So uh, maybe I should have known that. I don't. I don't. Particularly remember the night that Brett Hall scored his 500th. Brett Hall is uh, in that group. So uh, eight guys. You said eight eight individuals. Eight. Okay, so eight guys eight. had done that, and uh, now Steven Stamkos in that group as well. Blues won yesterday over Nashville by a five-two score. As we continue on the program, let's bring in somebody who covers the Blues for NHL.com, also SI.com. He is Lou Korak joining us right now on the program, Lou. Great to welcome you back uh, onto the show. How are you? Good, Matt. How are you? I am good. Uh, let's start by just talking about the health situation. I know uh, Craig Berube earlier today indicated that Tory Cruz going to be back tomorrow, and it sounds like a lot of guys have been back on the ice. This team is getting a little bit more healthy. Well, Tory Cruz getting close. Uh, we don't know if that's going to be tomorrow or not. I've, that's that's going to be a tough one because considering yesterday was his first day on the ice um, with the team. He's been skating for about a week now, but uh, you can tell, you know, just after talking to him before the morning skate on Thursday that, um, you know, he and a number of the guys are inching closer. Now, Tarasenko, uh, that's the one that I actually thought that may have had a shot to play tomorrow, Hmm. but uh, in talking to us uh, after practice today, he indicated that he's not going to be ready, but he's very close. So, uh, a number of guys knocking on the door. Some guys are starting to uh, trickle their way back onto the ice. I know Bortuzzo also skated yesterday, but did not on Friday. So uh, it's getting there. Uh, Logan Brown's re- uh, been activated off of IR. So it's been a long la- laundry list here, Matt, and uh, guys trying to get back in here and trying to help this team uh, stay relevant in the standings and continuing to make that push. Uh, People are knocking on the door, and it's only a matter of time before they start to get some of these healthy bodies back. In the month of January, they've won four of their last six, six of their last nine. Obviously, with all those injuries, there's been some more ice time for some guys. Who, as you've watched the games, do you feel like has really taken advantage of those extra opportunities? Well, you can... You can name a number of people. I mean, you know, they've gotten some great contributions from some of their younger guys that they've called up. uh, And... You know, Nikita Alexandrov, who got sent down to Springfield today, was one of them, and uh, a shame that he had a upper body injury that uh, left him sidelined for the last two games. But, you know, in his absence, you know, you've had Nathan Walker jump in there and really make an impact. Uh, that entire fourth line's been pretty terrific here, Matt. i got to be honest with you. Uh, they really were on the ball again last night. And these guys with uh, Toropchenko now and Walker and Tyler Pitlick have been playing really, really well. Um Tyler Tucker, another young kid who um, has jumped out and really taken advantage of uh, 
some playing time here. Callie Rosen, I, I got to tell you, this you want to talk about somebody that's kind of been an unsung hero for this blue line this year. I mean, you know, you going into it, uh, you know, you thought at best he was just going to be a depth guy and maybe somebody that you can plug and play along the way. But I got I got to be honest with you. I think when some of these guys do return back, I find it hard to take him out of the lineup just because he's been steady solid pretty much the entire time that he's been in the lineup here and really making an impact on that blue line and doing good things in the offensive zone. And I know Craig Berube has said that, you know, some of the things that he wants to see from him is to just, you know, be a little bit more assertive in the defensive zone, be a little bit stronger along the walls and with his puck battles. And I think he's done that. So I can really give you a a long laundry list here of guys that have really jumped up. You know, the top six have had their moments. They've also had some moments where they've dried up, but it's really been a collective effort. And I think that was a, a prime example last night may have been one of the best games they've played all year. And it was everybody from top to bottom. Team is still making some mistakes. You mentioned in a tweet yesterday about a bad line change that led to a goal. Uh, the goal that was disallowed on a really, really close uh, goalie interference, uh, not played well in front of the net right before that one. Uh, I know Ruby talked earlier today about uh, the PK and doing a better job there. What do you make of maybe some areas on this team where mistakes are still being made? I still think they can be a little bit more assertive of uh, net front traffic that the opposition feels like that they can take advantage of. Uh, Now they've done a better job of that the last couple of games here, but I think it's really been a season long problem where you know, whether it's Jordan Bennington or Thomas Grice that are in goal, uh, it's been a challenge for them just to uh, be able to, you know, effectively just see pucks coming from distance. And, you know, that's just an indication where the opposition feels like they could take advantage of uh, the front of the net, front of the net and pretty much camp themselves out there. And, you know, these guys, you know, once they get that sorted out, I think it'll take care of a lot of the defensive issues. I still think that uh, another area where their puck transition can be a little bit more cleaner. Uh, they still find themselves uh, making some of those uh, dangerous passes where, uh, you know, they're almost 50-50 pucks, I want to say. And once they get that stuff cleaned up, it, it, it'll be a lot better. And, you know, when, when you're not able to transition pucks out of your D zone, effectively uh, you get hemmed in and once you get hemmed in you start talking about guys having longer shifts they're getting tired to get it they're getting bogged down and uh eventually the puck winds up in the net you know because you're you know your shifts are getting extended and uh guys are getting tired out there so but once those areas uh tend to get cleaned up a little bit and i think they have been like i said the last couple of games uh you're going to start seeing some more wins with a little bit more regularity luke korak continuing to join us as we move closer and closer to a trade deadline, if the Blues are kind of in the same spot where they're certainly not out of playoff contention, but they also don't really look like a team that's probably going to make a a deep playoff run, do you expect moves to be made to make them better, even if if that's just getting in the playoffs? Or is this maybe an opportunity, even if they can be a playoff team, to try to build for the future a little bit? I think Doug Armstrong's got to keep his options open here uh, on two fronts. Uh, Obviously, you you have to ask yourself that question, whether you believe this team, you know, not only can get into the playoffs, but make a deep run. I think that's, that's what it's all predicated on. It's for, for this franchise and for this team, it's not just about getting in. It's about making an extended run. And, 
you saw what happened with them a couple of years ago. You just never know. I mean, you know, they, they fought from the bottom up and got in as the, you know, third place team in the central division. And we saw what happened. They won the whole thing because they believed they could win it all. But once you get in, in this tournament, to me, uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, once you get in, it's anybody's ball game. You, you see that, that the parity is just so good. So you have to ask yourself that question. And I think another thing that comes into play here, Matt, is the fact that uh, so many teams are up against uh, the cap. And can trades be made? That's, that's going to be the, the difficult question here because, you know, you're going to run into a situation where – Teams are going to want to make trades, but they simply can't just because of their cap situation. So I think it's going to be difficult to maneuver some of these trades. They're going to have to be done with a little bit more clever intent here because of of the money that's going to be involved. Now, he's got five weeks left here to make that decision once you get down to March 3rd. So Doug Armstrong can take this all the way down. But you know what? You know, he could get a phone call today and – it's an offer that he can't refuse, and I think he's going to have to listen to it. So th- this one is, uh, to me, a double-edged sword right now because I think he wants to believe in this team. But, you know, if somebody brings you something that, you know, he feels like can make this team, you know, not only better now but into the future, he certainly is going to have to listen to it. And he's got a number of players on this roster, Tarasenko, O'Reilly, Barbashev, Mikola, the guys off the top of my head that are potential UFAs come this summer that uh, he's going to have to listen to. Is this summer really kind of a chance to reset? It feels like this team has been in cap hell, for lack of a better term, really, since the, the Stanley Cup. And you got to do that. You, you, you win a cup, some guys are going to get rewarded, you're going to keep some guys on the roster. Like, that's not a, from my point, that's not a criticism of him. It's just, it, it, it's what happens. But with all those somewhat big money guys coming off the books this offseason, is this maybe that first chance to really reset things a bit? Uh, it's it's going to be a challenge again because you're going to have uh, you're going to have guys like you'd mentioned. There's going to be guys, namely Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo. Their raises are going to be kicking in yeah. next year, and that's going to eliminate a lot of the potential cap that you felt like you're going to be able to acquire if you lose some of these big name guys to free agency this summer. So I think there's still going to be. It depends on where the cap goes and. By, by all indications right now, if it moves, it's not going to move very much uh, going into next year. So I think teams are still going to be kind of in that same boat. Uh, the question is, you're going to have to kind of look into a little bit further into the future uh, if you're going to see. I, I think they're going to they're going to continue to try to retool this. I just they don't like to use the word rebuild around here, and that's something that uh, especially when you're a cap ceiling team rebuild's not something that's in the cards. So um, it's going to take some maneuvering, uh, believe me. And like I said, with the Thomas and Cairo cap hits that take uh, effect next year, that's over $16-plus million with two guys. And they have a number of their own players that they have to re-sign and very little money to do it. So it, it, it's a job that I don't envy, let's put it that way. <laughs> but uh, it's going it, it's to be tough to do. Uh, I'm very interested to see how they tackle this going into the summer with very little cap space to work with. He is Luke Korak. You follow him on Twitter at LKorak10. You read him at NHL.com, inside of uh, SI.com as well. That's the uh, Inside the Blues uh, page that they've got at SI.com. That lose a big part of Luke. Thank you so much for uh, taking some time, and uh, we'll chat again real soon. All right, Matt. Take care.
Luke Orak joining us here on Sports Open Line. We appreciate his time. Again, the Blues get back at it tomorrow. They'll play tomorrow and Tuesday at home before they hit the road once again. We are going to switch gears. We'll talk both Mizzou athletics and we'll talk some soccer, some news regarding uh, City SC that I want to pass along to you. And also, I want somebody who's smarter than me to uh, explain it to you. And uh, that definitely applies to Nate Gatter. He's a lot smarter than me. And he joins us next at Sports Open Line on KMOX. Sports Open Line continues here on a Friday night. Have about uh, 20, 25 minutes left in the program. Very happy to uh, welcome back on. He's a friend of the program, friend of KMOX. You heard him uh, on the call when uh, City SC2 were playing their games. The... um, the uh, friendly with uh, Bayer Leverkusen. You see him do uh, Mizzou games for uh, SEC uh, Network. He is Nate Gatter. You follow him on Twitter at Nate Gatter. He joins us right now. Hi, Nate. Hi, Matt. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. All right. I'm going to talk Mizzou stuff with you in just a second. But uh, I, as we have established well between the two of us, uh, a lot of the lingo, a lot of the vernacular, a lot of the weird things that happen in soccer, I'm not great with. So there was announce announcement today about the League's Cup tournament that's going to be uh, taking place. I know that uh, Club America, which is a really, really big name in Mexican soccer, is going to be coming to St. Louis. Can you kind of explain this announcement, what this tournament is, and what it means for uh, soccer fans in St. Louis? Yeah, so I, this is not the first edition technically of the league's cup that there's ever been, but it is a very new look league's cup and MLS trying something they haven't done before. um, That's going to involve completely pausing the season for a month. Uh, Both the Liga MX and MLS seasons will pause from uh, mid July to mid August in order to play this tournament. Um, And I think it, you know, the idea is that it's supposed to be a world cup style tournament Um, I think, I don't know that MLS has said this explicitly. My feeling would be that MLS, like everybody else, has looked around the United States and realized that the World Cup, for whatever reason, appeals to the casual American sports fan a little bit more than um, certainly than MLS does and and more than soccer generally has in this country. Obviously, it's getting a lot more popular. uh, But one of the barriers, including one that affects the highest levels of the game, even the Premier League, when it comes to popularity in the U.S. has been the lack of a playoff system and the lack of that sort of single-game drama that American fans are used to, sort of the culmination of the season when the Premier League is set up as just 20 teams in a league. You play each team home and away at the end of the season. Whoever has the best record is the champion. That's that. There are obviously competitive reasons to set your league up like that. In theory, you're going to get, over the larger sample size, the true best team winning. But in some ways, American sports fans are disappointed by that. So I think this is meant to capture some of the attraction that we as a country have had to the World Cup. Uh, The idea being that you have this little group stage and then you quickly progress into a knockout stage where the stakes are high in every single game, win or go home. And that sort of thing has, has appealed to American fans. I think it's also a great opportunity for this crossover because MLS is growing in popularity. More importantly, MLS is growing in quality. And getting to a place now, as we saw with Seattle Sounders, uh, you know, winning uh, the CONCACAF Champions League last year, where the top teams in MLS can compete with the top teams in Liga MX. Maybe not every single night, and maybe it's relatively few MLS teams, but the top of MLS is at a level on the field that it has not been before, maybe ever, certainly not relative to Liga MX. 
And uh, I, so I think it's a really good opportunity for these leagues to cooperate with one another and, uh, and continue to develop the game in North America. In particular, I, I think it, it benefits MLS probably more than Liga MX, but it's attractive to the Liga MX clubs because it gives them an opportunity to play some meaningful games in the United States where a massive chunk of the Liga MX fans live. What does it mean for soccer fans in St. Louis that Club America is going to be coming here and playing at City Park? I would think it means a lot. I mean, this is one of the massive clubs in Mexico, you know, more titles than, than any other team in the country. Uh, thir- or in the history of Mexican soccer, 13 league titles. They've won Copa Mexico six times, which is also a record. I mean, we're talking about a, a team that has a stadium, plays at a Estadio Azteca, right? That, that plays in the stadium of Mexico that seats almost 90,000 people. You could fit close to four city parks inside Estadio Azteca from a capacity standpoint. This is I don't really know a good analogy. I'm trying to to get it just right. I think it would be the equivalent of if the Yankees came to play like the Springfield Cardinals. Um, and, and that's not necessarily in terms of quality, but just in terms of the size of the team and the size of the fan base and the history and all of those sorts of things. I think that's a, a decent analog. Um, and you can imagine then what, you know, what that looks like. Um, I would expect that Club America fans will be willing to travel quite a long distance to get to St. Louis in order to see this game. I would expect um, that on the secondary market, this will be by far the most expensive uh, city home game of the season, including the home opener. Mm. Um, That one might be close. Maybe by far isn't fair relative to the home opener, but that's the only game I think would probably be in the stratosphere because my expectation would be there are plenty of Club America fans, even if they live as far away as, Chicago or Kansas City, maybe even if they live two or three further states away, are saying, you know, this is a, a much shorter trip than it would be to go back to Mexico and see them. Um, you know, it's a, it's a cheaper one. It's an opportunity to do it where maybe in driving distance, those sorts of things. I would expect that uh, there is going to be a real fervor, especially from their side around this game, which is really exciting because it, it's obviously exciting for City being in their first season and getting to play a, a club of this size. And then the buzz is going to be just as strong, if not stronger, uh, from Club America fans, even though the magnitude of the game will be much smaller for them, considering the history of their club and how accomplished they are. This is, in some ways, just another game. Uh, but I think for their fans, many of the fans who will be there, it's not another game just because of where it's being played. Nate Gatter is continuing to join us in in generally like for sports fans who are not big soccer fans. The only time we really see a league stop play for a while is in the NHL when NHL players are participating in the Olympics. Do you, generally speaking, maybe not even specific to this tournament, but generally speaking, do you like the idea that MLS is willing to kind of press pause on the season for a little while for something that could be very good for soccer in the United States? I do like it. I think it's a fun and creative idea. I think it keeps things fresh. If if they were just doing this within MLS teams, Um, sort of like trying to change the way the U.S. Open Cup is played or something like that and create just a league cup that only had MLS teams, I would not really enjoy it because I don't think that's the kind of thing that appeals to American fans. I think this will have enough blitz to it to be intriguing. I think the format will be appealing and provide an opportunity to to bring in some more fans. I think it will probably be a revenue generator for uh, MLS teams, which uh, obviously is less important to fans, but I think it is important for the league. my only concern is that there are only two guaranteed games for each team. So 
there are 48 teams or, or uh, 45 teams who will be going into the group stage, two teams, LAFC from MLS. And, uh, and I don't remember the Mexican team off the top of my head, but two teams will get buys based on last season's performances into the round of 32. Other than that, divide the 45 teams up into 15 groups of three. City will play a home game against Club America and will play an away game against Columbus Crew. They're the only other MLS team in their group. The top two teams advance. You play those two games, you get points based on the results. If there is a game that would end in a draw, it'll go to a penalty shootout to determine the extra point. And the team, the two teams with the most points after those two games will advance. Obviously, on paper, City will be the underdog of the group. If you rank them, I'm sure all prognosticators will say City is are likely, at least at this point, who knows where we'll be in July. That's, there's a lot of soccer to be played between now and then. But City would have to be picked third in the most likely scenario. My concern then, maybe in particular for City, because it's in the middle of their first season, if you play your two games, and you lose them both, or one way or another you finish third, and you don't qualify for that group stage, you're now staring at three-plus weeks Mm -hmm. of no games. I think that could be a little bit awkward for the the 15 teams that are eliminated at the first time of asking and don't get to be among those 32 that move on. Um, We'll see how that goes. I think that dynamic is is a little bit interesting. Um, obviously that's an incentive for, for the league though, uh, for both leagues to try to keep it moving once you get to the knockout stage, because every day longer the knockout stage goes is another day that every team that's been eliminated isn't getting to play any games. And that's just time for fans to get distracted by other things. Um, so my hope is that, that that creates an incentive to really keep things moving and keep the tempo of it up. And that that is also engaging for fans. Um, and obviously my even bigger hope would be the city could find a way to, uh, to make it through and, and play a little bit of a knockout stage soccer, because I think that would be a really exciting thing as well. All right, before we get you out of here, let's talk a little Missouri basketball. They're coming off a fantastic win against Arkansas this week in the midweek, 79-76. This is an Arkansas team that when they played at their place, uh, they lost 74-68, obviously, to play at home. It's a little bit different, but what can you just – I mean, it, there were moments this year where you looked and saw what Missouri was doing, and you said at some point they're going to fall off a little bit, but they just keep winning games. You know, they they lost those back-to-back games against A&M in Florida, and then they come back with the win against Arkansas. They've got a really tough game against the fourth-ranked team in the nation, Alabama, tomorrow. But, man, it just, it just feels like they keep doing things that kind of justify what they've done as a whole this year, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Um, I, you know, I think they're still in position to, to be an NCAA tournament team, which is, I think, the most that any Mizzou fan could have hoped for coming into the season, and I don't think many would have thought that was a realistic target. Um, uh, obviously, that Florida loss was a little bit disappointing. The A&M loss, they really didn't play well, and so you wondered, to your point, if, if things were slipping away. At the same time, I thought they certainly could have won that game in Fayetteville. Um, you know, the second half, that's a tough place to play. Um, and, and the second half, I thought Arkansas fans made a big difference, uh, even in the latter stages of the first half, and Mizzou just couldn't put together enough good possessions down the stretch. But I thought they played pretty well there and were good enough to win had they gotten a little bit lucky. Um, it's funny because that game involved taking the big early lead and then letting it slip away, and Wednesday night was in some ways the opposite in, in having fallen behind midway through the second half, even, what, double digits with seven minutes to go. Um you know, that, that, I think that says a lot about them. And it also says something to me, and this is maybe the most important part. I'm, I'm a little bit weird in this way. I mean, this is the first season of Dennis Gates. 
ultimately, the success of his tenure is not determined by how this season goes. Even if they fizzle down the stretch and don't make the tournament, obviously that'll be a disappointment. I think it's clear that this program is moving in a better direction now than it was 365 days ago. What really excites me is I feel like Wednesday night was a true reverse fixture, if you will, that a lot of the things that hurt Mizzou and having to fight that tough Arkansas crowd a couple of weeks ago in Fayetteville really worked in their favor. And it's an example of just what a great home court advantage Mizzou Arena can be when Mizzou is consistently relevant, playing consistently well, and selling out that building game after game as they have over the last month. In many ways, Mizzou Arena has been dormant for, you could argue, like the last decade, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's been a while since Mizzou Arena has felt like it, it has these last few weeks, certainly since it's felt that way with any consistency outside of just a one-off game here against Kentucky, one-off game there against another big-name opponent. Um, and you worried that maybe that was going to be how the season went when the place sold out and they got boat raced by Kansas back in December. Um, in the end, they've been able to, to play well enough that they're turning – any game into a big game, right? The draw is Mizzou rather than the draw is Mizzou's playing a big name opponent. And I think that's the most important thing. Mizzou fans are energized right now. There's a lot of hope around the program. There's more positivity there in that building than I think there's been in a long time. He is Nate Gatter. He's our resident soccer expert. You see him providing play-by-play of Missouri Athletics on SEC Network, SEC Network Plus. Follow him on Twitter at Nate Gatter. Nate, always appreciate you coming on. We'll talk again real soon. Thank you, Matt. Have a great night. You too. That's Nate Gatter joining us here on Sports Open Line. When we return, uh, there's an interesting story developing in the world of college athletics that could have a profound impact on college football. It already is having a profound impact, but the impact could turn from a somewhat positive impact to a very negative impact. We'll go through that and wrap things up for a Friday night. That's next. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Starting to put the final touches on this edition of a Sports Open Line. As always, if you missed anything, you're in luck. You can always find the archive at uh, camox.com. Also on the Odyssey app, the Sports Open Line podcast feed has everything available for you. Uh, we knew, we knew that when name image likeness came to college sports, that there were going to be some things happening that might make you feel a little uncomfortable, might make you feel a little squeezy when you think about college athletics. There is a situation right now with a young man by the name of Jaden Rashada. He is a top quarterback prospect in the recruiting class of 2023. He had signed his national letter of intent with Florida, and he has now asked for his release and has been released from his national letter of intent. This is why, reportedly, Reportedly, he had a name-image-likeness deal with boosters at the University of Florida that was worth about $13 million. And it was that name-image-likeness deal that got him to go to Florida. That deal, for whatever reason, fell through. That $13 million went away, and now he is going to go away from Florida. So... If you're not familiar with name, image, likeness, basically it's a college athlete's ability to go make money off their name, off their image, off their likeness, something they were previously not allowed to do. If you were a college athlete in the local car dealership, wanted to bring you in on a Saturday afternoon for you to sign autographs, you could not legally do that. Now you can. 
They want you to endorse something. You couldn't do that before. Now you can. Boosters are using this as a way to pay players to come to schools because you find a way. There are these collectives put together by boosters where they find money. They bring you in. They pay you for something. You you do it, but really it's just found money, and you're good. So players are being paid, but they're being paid by a third party. I was talking to somebody today, and I used this example. I recently came to KMOX six, seven months ago. Let's And I came here because I wanted to be here, very much wanted to be here. Let's say I would have come here, though, because some company in town offered me millions of dollars to come work for KMOX, and then, they, then I was going to talk about their product, that that was the thing. So KMOX was going to pay me X amount of dollars, and I was going to use KMOX. I was going to be on the air at KMOX. But the reason I really came is because Company X was going to hire me as an endorser, and I was going to talk about them on the air, and that company was going to pay me gobs and gobs and gobs of money. And then I get to St. Louis, and I get to KMOX, and that company says, oh, yeah, by the way, we're not going to do that. And I say, well, then I'm not going to go work for KMOX. That is the – now – when we do these analogies and like I'm trying to compare real world stuff to sports stuff, it never works. I'm the first person to say that the analogies always have all kinds of holes in them. But that's essentially what's going on here. This quarterback was going to the University of Florida because of a $13 million name image likeness agreement that was there. And it had absolutely nothing, had absolutely nothing to do with the University of Florida. He was being paid to go there. And when that money dried up for whatever reason, he washed his hands of it and said, I'm going to go somewhere else and we'll see where he ends up. That makes me incredibly uncomfortable when it comes to college athletics. And let me be clear. I have no problem with college athletes being paid for name image likeness. I always thought it was the stupidest thing in the world that you could have a college athlete who was not allowed to go get a job or any other student could. I always thought it was the dumbest thing in the world that a music student could go get paid to be in a band, but uh, an athlete couldn't get paid to do anything. There's so many comparisons that I just thought were dumb. So I'm glad name image likeness has happened, but at some point somebody's got to get control of it a little bit. And this is a perfect example of why they This is not good for college athletics. This is bad for college athletics. And nobody can get on the same page on this thing. It's probably at some point going to go through the government. Congress is going to get involved, which is just going to screw it up that much more because they don't know what they're doing when it comes to sports. The most embarrassing thing in the world is whenever there's some sort of congressional subcommittee talking about a sports issue, they have no clue what they're doing. And it's always just a bunch of grandstanding. It's embarrassing. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I know this isn't it. This is not the answer. What happened with Jaden Rashada cannot continue to happen in the world of college athletics. There has to be a better answer. That's going to do it for this edition of Sports Open Line tonight. Again, my name is Matt Pauley. If you missed any of the program, catch it on the Odyssey app or on KMOX.com. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday night right here on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.